Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Bobby, and I'm your friend who knows just a little bit too much about pop culture. Welcome to your weekly meeting of Pop Culture Fanatics Anonymous. If you remember last week, we didn't do a formal episode, but we did do a very fun listen-along episode um, for Jurassic Park's 30th anniversary, so go listen to that if you haven't. But this month, we're doing a little mini-series for the rest of June on our favorite masked web-slinger, Spider-Man, and all of his many versions. However, this month won't be like other months because we won't be starting with a history lesson. We're going to be starting with a bit of a review, which I haven't done a ton of on this podcast. I had the absolute pleasure and honor of getting to attend the premiere for Across the Spider-Verse, and I would be remiss if I didn't kick off this series talking about all things Spider-Man if I didn't gush about one of the most important films released in recent history. Yeah, it's that big of a deal. So we're going to split this episode into halves. So the first half will be a non-spoiler review if you have not seen the film yet. And then the second half will be a spoiler review where we'll be gushing about all things across the Spider-Verse because it was just such a good movie. This review won't take up too much of your time. It'll be just enough that it will entice you to go and see it or go and see it again. And then for the rest of the month, we're going to have a lot of fun talking about all things Spider-Man. And I think I'll be having some very fun special guests who just happen to be my friends that'll come on and talk about Spider-Man. And that will be that. So if that sounds good to you, let's get started. So like I mentioned in the intro, this will be the non-spoiler half of the review of the episode. If you, if for some reason you're like, hey, I'm going to cut it off here. What you need to know about this movie is that you just have to go and see it. It has to be seen to be believed because it is, it is a feast for the eyes. It's a feast for the mind. It's a feast for the heart. And it is not, it's not a film that's like bound or constricted by the societal notion of comic book movies or of even animated films like it truly kind of exists in its own little realm if you've seen into the spider-verse which came out in 2018 i think you'll know that that film was just kind of like revolutionary for a multitude of reasons and somehow some way this film eclipses that and it makes it feel kind of 
not simple or basic or anything like that, but you're, I think I was, I was in awe of just how good this movie is in comparison to the first one, which was for the longest time, I think was considered to be the greatest Spider-Man film. And I definitely stand behind that. Um, but this movie just by all accounts, it is just firing on all cylinders. That's the best, that's the best way I can describe it. The animation is absolutely insane. Um, it is, I think they use like six different animation styles and not like in small bursts. So like one little piece of the film is a different animation style, but like for the duration of this movie, which is around, I think it almost, if not goes over two hours, it's like right at two hours, which for animation is pretty long. Um, it is impressive. It's just, it's, it's a feat of, of, of human creation. Like it is this, I've seen some people call it like a triumph of human creation. And that is exactly what it is. Like it is just this movie that I watched it and I was like, people made that like a person, like a group of people got together and made this movie because it, it just, it is insane. The performances are great. I think Shamik Moore as as Miles Morales. It's the the casting choice is just genius. Um, Haley Seinfeld really kind of like she is Gwen is a, a much more prominent part of the story, and I think Haley's performance is just so earnest and you know so troubled in a way. Um, when you see the, the film, you'll understand. But I think she's able to convey that just raw emotion and the, the 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 character of Gwen in this movie really is kind of um burdened with the the problem of doing the next right thing and that is really difficult for her especially being a kid and being a teenager and having to be burdened with doing the next right thing that has massive repercussions if you don't um Haley's performance is is stunning to me the standout performance from this film for a multitude of reasons was uh oscar isaac's miguel o'hara i think the character of, of miguel o'hara is so intense and so like you just he just i don't know how to describe him like he's just this force but he's also just very sad in a way but in just intense is the best way I can describe him and I think Oscar Isaac was was incredible casting um you see uh Spider-Man was Miguel O'Hara is Spider-Man 2099 um and you see him in the end credits of Into the Spider-Verse and the character the way that the character is being played in the end credits of Into the Spider-Verse is not the same as how he's being played in Across the Spider-Verse. And it makes you wonder what happened between those two films. Um, but Oscar Isaac was absolutely this, the standout in the film for me. Um, loved Issa Rae as Jessica Drew. Uh, Jason Schwartzman as The Spot. Really great. The character of The Spot is really, really phenomenal. And if you haven't seen the movie, which if you're at this point in the <laughs> in the episode, um, the non-spoiler part, I'm not going to talk about the character too much because I think it's best to go in as blind as you can. Um, but I was kind of blown away with the journey that the character goes on 
in the duration of the film. Um, this isn't a spoiler because it's it's something that's been in the news for a while. Um, but I don't think it was just, you know, public knowledge for a ton. Um, this is a part one. Um, and beyond the Spider-Verse is the, the part two. Uh, so when you get to the end of this film, it will say to be continued. So don't be shocked by that. Um, but you're going to hit a point in the last, I would say 30 minutes of the film where things are just happening at breakneck speed. And you're like, oh my God, like what's going on? Like the seeds of these different things are being planted and you're like oh my gosh how are they going to wrap this up and then they get to the point where the film stops and you i promise you you're going to sit in the theater and you're going to be like i could sit here for another hour and a half because i just want to see how this is going to wrap up and like yeah it could be like a like a cliffhanger spoiler thing but i think also just this movie does I think this movie just does such an excellent job with pacing because it is objectively, it's a lot of movie, but it doesn't always feel like a lot of movie. It's a lot of movie in the sense of time, but also just visually like you're taking in a lot, but I think it really sticks that landing in the final act because you are at the edge of your seat and you're just trying to see like what's going to happen and then you have to wait. We're all going to have to wait until the film, you know, it's slated to come out next year. I don't foresee that it will come out next year. I think it's going to get delayed because a movie like uh, Across the Spider-Verse, like, could it have been done in a year? Yeah, but I don't think it would have been as good as it was. I think it took uh, a couple years, like possibly four, I think, because the sequel was announced a month after Into the Spider-Verse came out. So I think it's going to be a little bit before we get beyond the Spider-Verse, but I think it's well worth the wait. Um, my review is that it's a five-star movie, hands down. I mean, it is, you know, there may be some little like bumps in the road, little quirks, um, but I think it's more of that comes down to like a taste thing. Um, but overall, it, it is, it's an incredibly important film. Um, not only does it continue to show that animation as a medium is a force to be reckoned with um but just storytelling wise it's phenomenal as a comic book film it does well as an animated film it does well but just as a film it really just it shines like it just is this this bastion of a film and this bastion of creativity and it's absolutely phenomenal i think anyone who worked on that film who touched it who had any small part should be incredibly proud of themselves because it is just that good again you have to see it to believe it highly recommend go see across the spider-verse you will not regret it so now we're entering the spoiler part of the review the review this is I have been talking about this film with anyone who has seen it because it is just this movie that you just want to pick apart and you just want to like sink your teeth into it as much as you can. And there's enough content to be able to do that. Um, I don't think I felt shortchanged by this film. Definitely the like to be continued was a bummer because I'm like, uh, like I want to, I want to know what happens. I want to find out what happens, but I didn't feel like the movie didn't deliver. And I think some people definitely had the critique of, um, 
you know, like, oh, well, it didn't. It was just building up to it being a cliffhanger, but it didn't tell a complete story. And I don't think that that's necessarily true. And I think if you're looking at the character of Miles, you could make that argument. But this is not totally Miles's movie. It's Gwen's movie. They're kind of co-leads in this way. And I think Gwen's arc of facing what she had been running from, and it's a situation that she's more than justified in, in running from. I mean, her dad is the captain and was going to arrest her. And she's like, I have nowhere to go. You know, like she's this kind of, she's the spider vagabond in a way. And she is taken in by these two spider people and, you know, kind of sent on this mission that becomes like towards the end of the film is seen as like a bit morally dubious and she is faced with this hard thing of like do I stay in this situation that is not great like do I stay you know with this team where they're doing something where it's hurting my friend hurting my friend Miles and I'm thinking that I'm being the good guy I think I'm doing that next right thing but it's not it's turning out to not be that way or do I go and kind of face the music of my dad in my universe? And Gwen has to come to that conclusion of, and she learns it from Miles of like, anything is possible. You just have to have a leap of faith, you know? And the whole through line of a leap of faith comes from Into the Spider-Verse and carries through to this movie. And but I don't think it's Miles's leap of faith. I think it's Gwen's leap of faith. Um, and the leap of faith was going back and kind of facing the reality of her of her universe, of her situation. And it ended up being okay. But I think also even like in a larger plot sense, it kind of shows a whole idea of like, oh, the canon is not this this thing that we have to be beholden to. And that reminds me, the canon and the use of it in this movie was so genius. And I think any person, and I'm going to talk about it, so I'm going to fall victim to it, but I think any person who tries to apply the canon, the idea of canon and spider canon to this film, you've already, you've already failed. You've already failed the, the assignment. You've already lost because this movie is already kind of telling you that an, a blind allegiance to canon completely snuffs out the ability of charting one's own course and i think it really beautifully brings up also this idea that you know spider-man is not the traumatic events that happen to them spider-man or any spider person is spy a spider person because they are willing to put on the mask and assume the responsibility the great responsibility that every uncle ben or aunt may variant or whoever it is um tells to that spider person it is the the bravery and the courage and the tenacity required of Spider-Man that makes you Spider-Man. Um, and I think the movie really beautifully challenges this idea that superheroes are only, you know, kind of made and, and processed in, in trauma. And I think trauma is definitely a part of superhero-dom, but it is not everything of superhero-dom. Um, it's more of, like I said, the courage and the responsibility and, and bravery to be Spider-Man. Um, or to be Spider-Woman, or to be whoever, uh, even to be Peter Parked Car. You know, like there is a certain level of, of of bravery required to do that. And I like that the film kind of is pushing back on that with this 
idea of it's the canon, it has to happen. And with a character like Miles, especially going into the fact that he was not supposed to be Spider-Man and this spider was not supposed to bite him, but yet he becomes Spider-Man. And that's the whole thing. Like you may not be destined for it, but you can also, you can become it. And it's this really beautiful journey of fate and charting your own course and I think it was just I just think it was really well done I think it was very cheeky and clever uh, on the part of the filmmakers to have this thing called the canon and showing every spider person I think the cameos in that scene where Miguel is explaining uh, the canon to to Miles uh, it was so good it was the, all the cameos I remember being in the uh, at the premiere which was insane, by the way. Um, I was like probably 25 feet from Issa Rae as she was doing interviews. And I was like, oh my God, that's Issa Rae. Like it was nuts. Um, so, so cool. But the the cameos that we see, so obviously when Spider, or when Spider, when Miles gets to the Spider Society, uh, we see some um, very big cameos, namely donald glover as the prowler which is something that has been you know marked in 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 stone and has been this massive thing that's been ruminating uh within a lot of marvel fan circles around like when are they going to incorporate donald glover into the mcu and blah, blah, blah. and so he appears in in homecoming and there's like brief mention he doesn't mention miles in name he just says i have a nephew who lives in this neighborhood eagle-eyed comic book fans could identify that that he's talking about miles um but to have them have a little brief on-screen interaction was very very cool i'm um, seeing like a live act it's tech this movie's technically a live action animation hybrid because of the inclusion of donald glover in it which i thought was super duper cool and even just getting to see all the different spider people was insane and getting to see like in the aftermath of watching the movie you know, people being able to identify all these different spider versions. Um, the funniest of which, and the cutest of which, apparently they included the Spider-Man um, popsicle, like the little uh, the the little popsicles you'd get from like a, a ice cream truck, and they'd always be like misshapen and and melted. Um, apparently, they included the Spider-Man icicle. Um, and they also included the Spider-Man plush, which is like this little, <laughs> this little Spider-Man plush that like kind of just floats through the air, um, which is so cute. It, oh my God, it got me so bad. The one that stood out to me the most was Lego Spider-Man. And I did not know this, but the sequence that in the film, when they go to uh, Lego Spider-Man's universe, it was animated by a 14 year old kid who had done a Lego into the Spider-Verse. I think he did like a, a video. It went super viral. I love that the filmmakers, I think it might've been Lord and Miller specifically who went to this kid and was like, Hey, do you want to animate this sequence for the film? He did it. It looked seamless. It looked spectacular. Oh my God. That was such, the, that was the coolest fact about this movie that I found out afterwards was that that sequence was animated by a little, like 14, 14 years old and animated that sequence. Oh, stunning, 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 stunning stuff. Um, 
I also love the funniest line from that part is when Lego uh, Peter Parker <laughs> or Lego Spider-Man is reporting back to Miguel that something is going on and Miguel is just like, thank you, Peter. You're one of our best. <laughs> I appreciate that one of his best operatives in this whole spider conundrum is uh, is a Lego Spider-Man that is like three inches tall. Uh, this is hilarious. I thought it was so, so, so funny. Um, going a little bit deeper in, into the characters, I really did. I I loved Miguel uh, for reasons not just because it was he was voiced by Oscar Isaac, even though that's a big one. Um, but I really did think that Oscar Isaac's voice voice acting performance in this was so great because Miguel is like he's kind of this muted character in a way, like he is. He's stoic and he's just very like, you know, I'm about my business and this is the mission and I'm trying to accomplish this mission. And you can see that Miles kind of very slowly and carefully takes a little string and just begins to just slowly unravel Miguel. And what reveals is this just incredibly intense man who just is like he crawls on all fours he has claws apparently he's like a vampire spider-man situation which i was very on board with if you know me um but there's a moment that i really enjoyed in his performance when uh he and miles are on the train and uh every all the spider people are like trying to get at miles and uh, Gwen and Peter B. Parker are trying to t- like tell Miguel like oh this isn't what we talked about like you know you know don't do this you're being too you're being too crazy blah 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 and in all this noise it's noise and it's chaos you got Daniel Pemberton's amazing score blaring in the background you've got all this you know dialogue happening and in that in the middle of that you have Miguel who has Miles pinned down and then he leans his head down and he whispers, he's like, you don't belong here. And it was just this moment of quiet cruelty. It was so, it dripped in absolute cruelty. And it was just so like, you could tell that in that moment that it was no longer that Miguel was trying to maintain canon. Like he's really trying to like hurt this kid emotionally. Um, and he is this man who is mired in pain and he wants Miles to feel his pain. Like if he couldn't have his happy universe, Miles can't have it either. Um, and then when he says like, oh, you don't belong here. I was like, oh my God, it was just so great. Such a great moment. Um, truly, truly, truly just a, a fantastic performance all around. And I don't think there was anyone in this film who wasn't rising to the occasion. Like I think everyone was doing a phenomenal job you know no matter how big or how small the part like everyone was just great the movie is just it's just it's great like that's I wish I had more words to describe it but it's it's just a good movie it's just a good movie uh it's it's so good I guess if I were to be you know if I had to you know express anything that I didn't love about the movie which is not really anything I don't think anything just didn't work for me I think it's the kind of romantic subplot that they're kind of trying to do but not trying to do with um with 
Gwen and Miles. I don't, I just don't think it's, it, it doesn't add all that much to it. Um, I think it's, and I don't necessarily think that the movie is trying to make it like a thing so much as that there are these two people and they kind of have this really intense relationship or, you know, like connection with one another and they're like split across, you know, multiverses and, and dimensions and it's this whole thing. Um, that wasn't, it just wasn't my favorite, but it's like a small thing. I will say another standout character, I didn't mention this in the spoiler uh, the non-spoiler part, but I'm mentioning it now. Spider-Punk, another massive standout. Daniel Kaluuya, fantastic performance. Couldn't understand most of what he was saying. Honestly, that's the biggest critique that I have of this film. And it has nothing to do with the film specifically. I think it's just the exhibition process of it all. Um, and it's been something that's been in the news a lot, which is that uh, a lot of the movie theaters that are playing across the Spider-Verse aren't, uh, I guess, like putting the volume all the way up. Um, so a lot of part, I guess, because there are parts that are quite loud, um, but the dialogue is also super quiet in part. So a lot of people have gone to the movie and been like, oh, it was amazing. But like, for example, in the beginning uh, monologue that Gwen has, you can't really tell what she's saying. Um, and I think, you know, I don't necessarily fault anyone who works on the film because I'm sure they're using like master class, like world-class technology and maybe like for where they were exhibiting it and like looking at dailies and whatnot, like it might've like sounded fine to them because they're using like cutting edge technology. But I imagine that for most people who go to theaters who may not be paying for Dolby or, you know, like any crazy um, form of, of a theater, like you might be just going to your regular like small town movie theater who doesn't have the technology to support it. It probably doesn't sound the same. And I think that was what a lot of people were running into. Luckily, I think Sony is has reissued a version of the film that's being sent out to movie theaters um, across the country and around the world, I imagine, uh, with some altered sound mixing that may, uh, I think, bump up the dialogue. So if you're thinking about going to see it again, and you were a little bit worried as far as, you know, like audio processing of the dialogue, I think it should be better now. I don't know. Um, but that's as far as I know what they're, where they're doing to address that. But going back to, to Hobie, uh, love spider punk. I thought he, he wasn't in a ton of the movie, but I think he was a really important part, especially because like, as soon as he, meets miles i i love that he kind of is just like yeah i'm not gonna be a part of this and he says a line that was really great which is like you know don't enlist until you know what war you're fighting or something along those lines and i think him telling that to miles was this thing that i think will carry into um beyond the spider-verse heavily because miles just wanted to be included in this elite you know system of spider people because he there's no there's no one else like he had this little family of spider people and then they all went away and i think he was just itching to be a part of something like that again um and so i love that hobie was just like hey man it, it, all that glitters ain't gold pretty much um but other than that i think i just thought the spider punk was was a really really great character how he was animated was it blew my mind watching it um because it was it's insane to look at 
Spider-Punk's animation style, especially against everyone else's. Um, it was nuts. It was insane. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to think, am I missing anything? Spot. Yes. So the spot starts out really as this villain of the week, kind of dopey character. And then all of a sudden spot becomes terrifying. Like towards the end of the film, I was like, oh, this is bad. Like, this is really bad. Like he is a kid. This is really, really bad. And I, I think that was just great. Like, I think they, because Spot is kind of a, a dopey character in the beginning and he doesn't really, he's not very confident. He doesn't really know what he's doing. But then establishing this whole thing of like, he created Miles and Miles created him and this kind of cycle of creation and fate and all those things that kind of, you know, work with like the whole canon thing. Um, I, th I thought that was just really, really great stuff. And then as the movie carries on, he gets more and more powerful. He becomes absolutely horrifying, just terrifying. And it's just, again, it's, it's this quiet intensity. Like him and Miguel have some, I think, share some uh, character DNA in a way uh, where they're both kind of this, they have this allegiance and this beholdenment to canon and fate. And then also they are just incredibly intense and scary to a certain extent but both incredibly phenomenal i wouldn't say miguel is a villain so much as that he's an antagonist um he could he could teeter into villain um and in some cases he kind of does but i think spot is the big bad here and miguel is the is the antagonist but both are, are really great i'm trying to think am i missing anyone um loved peter b parker and mayday oh my god my little my heart because little mayday is just so adorable and she was so cute and any any of the times that peter b parker being the doting dad that he is he was just like oh like i think if you hold my baby like you'll feel better um to to miguel it just was so funny and just so cute um also loved mayday and and hobie's scenes where he was like you know like taking a crap on the establishment i salute you like it was just <laughs> it was a lot of the character interactions between the spider people was was amongst my favorite parts of this movie um you know like it's the story is great the animation is great but the characters are always a really good part of of the entities of the spider-verse franchise um because they're so drastically different and i just love peter b parker because i love jake johnson um i love his approach to voicing peter b parker and i just think peter b parker is is great and i think he still has miles's or at least tries to have miles's um you know best interests at heart and i think at the end of the day he does care very deeply for miles and would never go like willingly or knowingly go completely against him i think he thought he was doing the right thing and i think that was because miguel kind of deceived everyone who loved miles and the being like it has to be like this but miles is he is the anomaly he has showed that like you don't have to have this allegiance to canon you can be spider-man because you're you're spider-man you you wear the mask you you took the leap of faith that is what spider-man is 
Um, and I love that at the end, that last shot where the like drums are going crazy and you have Gwen's monologue over top and you see that she's, you know, gotten all of Miles' old friends and new friends to go and, and rescue him from Earth 42, where he is being tied up by his um, prowler version of himself, which was insane. Um, I think that was that point when it like cuts the black and it's like to be continued. I was like, oh, I could have stayed here for another hour and a half because I want to see what happens. I'm so I'm anxious. I want to know. But to wrap things up, I think, like I said, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is just one of those movies that I think I'll forever remember seeing. And I will probably see it multiple times and I would love to own it just because it's just so important. It's such an important film. I will be curious to see how it fares come award seasons. It's a movie to me that, you know, awards would certainly help, but the importance and brilliance of it, I think, transcends awards in a way. Um, and I think it is definitely this benchmark of film history and will always be remembered as such and should be seen as such for sure. But I do hope that come award season it gets its due i i don't i think best animated feature is kind of a shoe-in at this point honestly i think it 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 must be included in best picture i think it is worthy of it but i know that you know comic book films are a, a high wall for for the academy and animation is an even higher wall and so the fact that it's got to do those things may present some problems but i just truly urge anyone who would potentially be voting to go just watch this movie um because it's it's brilliant i hope you enjoyed today's episode afternooners if you don't know the afternooners is my name for all of us so if you made it to the end of this episode congratulations you're an afternooner now if you like this episode don't forget to rate and review this podcast if you had a good time it helps out the pod you get to tell me how you're feeling about the pod and i get that sweet hit of praise and validation that is my life force and keeps me going if you want to know where else to find me on the internet, you can find me at the afternoon special on TikTok or Instagram or over on Twitter at hi, I'm Bobby, H-I-I-M-B-O-B-B-I. And if you're thinking, Bobby, I need to go and watch Across the Spider-Verse in every theater within a five mile radius of me, I'm not going to remember that. Bestie, I get it and I support it. And I've left all that in the description down below just for you. You're welcome. I hope you are excited for the rest of the month to be all things Spider-Man and that you'll join me again next week for another pop culture deep dive. Later days, friends. Are you a Marvel fan? Matt, you know I am. Jeff, I was asking the listener. Oh, okay. Yeah, I thought it seemed like a weird question because, you know, we've been doing a Marvel podcast together for t nine years now. No, no, I was trying to grab the attention of all the Marvel fans out there for this ad. Oh, I thought it was weird, too. You should definitely warn us. Good note, Ashley. Well, if you like Marvel movies and TV as much as we do, join us for the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. He did it again. Hi, just checking in and seeing if you might want to step away from the noise of the world for just a moment and connect back to you. If so... 
Join me on my podcast, Letting It Settle with Michael Gallion, where we'll explore mindfulness, self-love, and personal growth as I share practical insights and tools to hopefully help inspire you to start to take charge of your mental and emotional well-being. Search for Letting It Settle with Michael Gallion on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening now.